What's everybody? How's it going in the internet wrestling community land and all over the place? Uh, it is me. It is me. The big old CBC looking as only I can look a little bit dressed up today. Special occasion going on later on today. Graduation party. So, uh, you know, I look fresh. I uh, look even better in person. It is me. It is me. The big old Stevie C here with another edition of the Heal and Face podcast, the podcast dedicated to the world of professional wrestling brought to you by Heal Turn Wrestling. How's it going, everybody? Uh, just a lot of good stuff to get into today. A lot of weird stuff. Of course, news from the world of professional wrestling is weird in general in nature uh some of it is comical some of it is very serious and some of it is just downright insulting and we're just gonna get to all of it uh you choose and you decide which one of those is which three uh no real discussion about what happened on wrestling this week. I didn't do much analysis. I just caught uh, NXT and not really a whole lot to talk about there as far as reshuffling, retooling, different things there. Uh, the Million Dollar Man's appearance was funny with LA Knight. I'm just going to touch briefly on that uh, because I'm not going to do a full analysis of NXT, but uh, just, to anal- just to say I thought it was a really funny way to kind of introduce uh LA Knight kind of elevate him just a bit by getting the rub off the million dollar man. Um, and the fact that the storytelling was good. I know a lot of people crapped on the storytelling of it a little bit because they were not uh, happy with, uh, you know, bringing in million dollar man just to get over uh, LA Knight. And then uh, they're just not happy with what Cameron Grimes is going at and, People don't want to see the heel versus heel matchup, but I think it's going to work. I think this is a smart way, a clever way to bring uh, some relevance to L.A. Knight. Uh, of course, you know, with all this hyper production, with all these writers and with all of these producers and bookers who are putting their fingers in the pie. What it boils down to is letting the wrestlers go out there and do what they do within reason, letting professionals act like professionals and you can get compelling TV, which is what they did with that angle. So really pleased to see that. That was a real good highlight for me. And it sets up Cameron Grimes versus LA Knight. And they know each other. They worked with each other before in Impact. So it's not like they're strangers. It'll look good. They have pretty decent chemistry against each other and with each other. So it should look pretty good. And it'll be fun. little feud for the both of them. Uh, It'll elevate LA night at the same time, keep Cameron Grimes relevant and we'll see. So that was pretty much all my analysis of WWE NXT for the week. You're welcome, but let's just get to all of the news, shall we? Uh, which is huge. And before we do that again, I want to call your attention to not just my podcast, because I thank you guys every week for tuning in and watching me ramble on about, professional wrestling or listening along, but I want you guys to also go to what it says in the crawl above me, go to HT wrestling three, one, six on Facebook. And don't just like it, follow and subscribe and notify yourself when this little humble podcast comes on, 
but I want you to be aware of all the cool stuff we're doing at Heel Turn Wrestling. I want you guys to see all of our dank memes. Shout out to uh, Leo and Alcoholic Adam in the ma- in the dank meme department for all their hard work and dedication they do to being culturally irrelevant and making fun of not just professional wrestling, but the world. Uh, a lot of you have been noticing some of our very uh, football or soccer, as we say in America, related memes uh, that are hilarious. I'm going to assume they're hilarious because I have no idea what's going on in the world of professional soccer uh, around the world. Um, I barely keep up with it here in the States. And uh, my hometown team just won the MLS Cup last year. So, I mean, I really barely keep up with it. But I want you to know that we are worldwide, Daddy. We have 96,000 followers on Heel Turn Wrestling. And you should be one of them, too. You should tell your friends about them. Because if you tell one of your friends about us, then they tell their friends, and then we just basically continue taking over the world. So we've got that, and we've got all the cool podcasts, mine, of course. We also have, uh, speaking of international audience, uh, Piers Austin is killing it with all the three different podcasts that he cross-posts here to Heel Turn Wrestling. So take advantage and watch uh, all of them as well. He also had his first wrestling uh, gig recently where he was the uh, ring announcer for uh, one of the uh, indie Australian uh, promotions down there. So good for him. I don't know what the uh, Australian equivalent of good for him is. I think it's good on him. Either way, uh, good for him. And he's doing big things down there. And if you want to know anything about the underground Australian professional wrestling scene, he's your man. Uh, basically, Anybody that you see either in New Japan or NXT within the next three to six months or who's currently signed by any one of those promotions, more than likely they've come through Australia. So the Australian pro wrestling scene right now is tops. It's killing. It's probably the hottest international scene right now. You can take a look at all the cool stuff on his sites and you can also take a look at the boys at To the Turnbuckle, or as I like to say, To the Turnbuckle, with uh, Logan Morris, uh, Jason McCarthy, and Travis Knapper. And I would love to hear about Double or Nothing from the resident AEW Mark, Jason Bruiser McCarthy. I'm going to be tuning in to, on Tuesday to hear all about it. And of course, don't forget the captain of the Heel Turn Wrestling ship, the promoter extraordinaire, Billy Alexander, with the franchise takes five and beyond the mic, telling you everything uh, from his personal opinions about life to his amazing promotion, Pinfall Wrestling Association, which, by the way, has a big show coming up very soon with a very, very big star from the world of professional wrestling. And I am going to let him tell you about it. So you should go to his sites and get the information there but we just have a big love fest as far as uh being a media website for you the wrestling fan we are wrestling fans we came up with this and we want you to be a part of it and involved as well in any way you can and this is fan centered it's fan oriented it's fan driven uh, so I think that's better that way, that way, uh, you know, it's more fun to talk amongst ourselves, uh, than it is, uh, you know, to hear from, uh, someone on high or someone being produced like a, uh, uh, 
you know, a major corporation sports outlet like uh, Fox or or uh, NBC or or ESPN or anybody like that. So I think it's more fun uh, to get a personal, uh, more in-depth analysis in a way that, you know, you would be talking like you'd talk with your friends. So uh, join us on all of our things. And while you're there, I cannot stress enough. Uh, while you're waiting, there, while you're there, you can also go to Pro Wrestling Tees. Now they have a Memorial Day sale, bibbity bobbity boom, twenty percent off of everything on ProWrestlingTees.com. So you want to use the Memorial uh, word as your code, the promo code Memorial, and you want to get involved with this right now. Buy all the shirts, buy everything of the shirts, but most importantly, come to buy Heel Turn Wrestling's shirts. That's right. You buy Heel Turn Wrestling shirts, and you can be the envy of all of your family, friends, and associates at the next independent show. You can buy Billy Alexander, the Franchise Takes Five podcasts t-shirt. You can buy Alcoholic Adam, our blogger and meme god extraordinaire's t-shirt. You can buy the Heel Turn Wrestling t-shirt, and you can rep the company that way. But of course, you can flex the most handsome, most fly. The t-shirt with the biggest drip on ProWrestlingTees.com currently, the Heel and Face Podcast t-shirt. So if you want that Pro Wrestling Tees Drip, you gotta buy the Heel and Face Podcast t-shirt or at least one of the other four amazing t-shirts. Just go to ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Heel Turn Wrestling and it's crawling right above my head or near my head as we speak. So thanks for all of that. And we're just going to get right into the news, like I said, because the news is the thing. So I told you a lot of it is ridiculous. A lot of it is just, I don't want to even say sublime, just because it's above sublime. It's way more just in the realm of ridiculous. And let's start off with the most ridiculous. Former WWE referee Drake Wirtz has been booked for his first show post-termination. He's also gone back to his stage name, Drake Younger. Now, this promotion, I am not wasting any more time trying to remember what it is. It is a Floridian promotion. They are also promoting Low Key and someone else I didn't bother to remember. And this is supposedly a spot show to promote and to help fund charities who fight child trafficking. And if you know anything about Drake Wirtz and the reason why he was fired, part of the reason why he was fired is because he is one of these Trumper QAnon conspiracists that thinks that uh, major players in the Democratic and established Republican parties are also involved in a child endangerment, child sexual trafficking uh, operation. Um, and like I said last week, you can be a Trumper. 
You can believe that there is a conspiracy to traffic children. You can believe in all of these other things, but you cannot do all three. And you definitely cannot do it at work. As I said last week, even Trump's best friend, Vince McMahon, has been distancing himself. You know, Trump gave Linda McMahon that job. And Linda McMahon did a heck of a job with that job. Now, there was a little shady, I guess. There were some claims of impropriety, but it's not like Linda McMahon ever got walked out of the building in handcuffs. As a matter of fact, I think she may have even resigned within the last couple of weeks or months of Trump's presidency, which is not uncommon either. We shouldn't be reading too much into that. Now, I don't want to make this too political because I understand I don't like making things too political, but I do speak my mind and... Again, you are believing all of these things and jeopardizing your career and all these things. And it's not it's it isn't even like it's a like, OK, I think Drake assumed that because the WWE was very close with the Trumps that he could get away with a lot of the stuff that he was saying. But turns out. Just like most companies, just like most corporations, you say a bunch of crazy stuff and you are a problem when it comes to your relations with other employees and you got to let let go. Unfortunately for the rest of the professional wrestling world, as a very famous, retired, southern wrestling personality, booker and promoter once said, some outlaw mud show will always hire you. And this is the case with Drake Wirtz. I am not of the opinion of doxing people, and I'm not of the opinion of ruining people's careers because of their political views. That is a dangerous, slippery slope that this country has gotten into. I'm against it. It is anti-free speech and all that good stuff. But I said that just to say that you also are not immune to the consequences of these choices that you make. So if Drake Wirtz is gonna sit here and spout all this stuff about how Black Lives Matter is terrible and Muslims are running this country and, and walk out of meetings uh, where Triple H is basically putting over um, how unified it is and um, the importance of Black Lives Matter and all that stuff and how the company takes diversity seriously and you walk out, I mean, bro, that's on you. And, and, and that shows what kind of character you are. And especially frustrating for me as a Christian to hear another Christian act that way towards other Christians, towards other people. So um, it doesn't surprise me uh, that Drake Wirtz uh, is uh, lying in his bed of nails now, his bed of tacks and Legos. Ha ah, see what I did there? And now he's forced to sleep in it. Well, there's no, there's, I don't wish ill on him. I would like to have had him make better choices at work. Oftentimes when you are addicted to drugs or something terrible that you just basically transfer your addiction to other things. Um, unfortunately, he's dragging God into this, which is sad enough. Uh, now, again, this is the era of where we have to state obvious things. Should everybody be uh, uh fighting uh, pedophilia and child endangerment and child trafficking? Of course we should. Um, are there high levels of the uh, political elites that are sending children away to places? Uh, probably not, despite the whole Epstein scenario and 
some very uh, weird circumstances of top level political and celebrity uh, names being part of Epstein Island. Uh, it's still wildly speculative and it's dangerous to bring it into the work environment. And, you know, I, again, I'm happy that Drake uh, Wirtz, now Drake Younger, is finding work. Uh, I don't know how uh, well a 40-year-old, you know, middle-aged deathmatch worker is going to be able to to wrestle. Um, then again, we have the dark side of the ring with Nick Cage. So if, uh, if Nick Cage can find work, I'm sure Drake Younger can find work as well. And would it be ironic if they both found their way towards each other for a deathmatch that I'm sure some of you will pay for? Uh, and so, oobla dee, oobla da, life goes on. But unfortunately for us, um, you know, Drake Younger is finding serious work as a professional wrestler. I wouldn't, again, don't wish him ill. You know, I still want him to be able to have a job and be able to contribute to society in a healthy way. I just know that that's not going to be likely. Um, and, and I know that being employed, having a steady paycheck is going to keep him from doing something probably more extreme or more dangerous. So, uh, which is what the WWE was worried about anyway. But again, that's not WWE's problem anymore. Um, what is happening is though another problem is, uh, in the direct opposite direction with a, a wrestler associated with WWE. And this is actually really embarrassing on a lot of different levels, because even as I report the story, even as I talk about the story, it is taking other different twists and turns. So the exact opposite of Drake Younger, John Cena, had to issue an apology to the Chinese government for referring to Taiwan as a country. And yes, this is happening in 2021, where an individual sovereign unto himself, a citizen of a different country, has to offer an apology to a foreign government that is highly corrupt and whatnot. But Again, individuals are now kowtowing to a communist state, which is extremely frightening. And this is all part and parcel of the backlash that the NBA got a few years ago when the Houston Rockets assistant coach was very critical of the NBA partnering with China, who also uh, has their fair share of human rights violations. But to uh, criticize the Chinese government with an international business that does business in China, that also, by the way, Houston is a huge market for uh, the uh, Chinese uh, you know, sports market, seeing as though the Yao Ming played there for a while, et cetera, et cetera. So along the same lines of that Houston uh, assistant coach, who I don't think is longer with the Houston Rockets organization, now we have other individuals who are bowing to uh, other uh, world powers that they are not citizens of. And I understand the politics of it. I understand that John Cena, by every right, should consider himself a global citizen. I mean, if you want to get there, again, I don't want to get too political. But I know there is a movement for people who have a lot of money invested 
in the world to become a global citizen. And John Cena has a lot at stake internationally as far as his brand, as far as the movies that he's involved with, you know, Fast and Furious 9 or F9 as it's being called is now being marketed internationally and John Cena is prominent in the movie and he's, I believe, the bad guy and John Cena has meticulously cultivated his brand even to the point where he has learned to speak two different Chinese dialects, Mandarin uh, and Cantonese, I believe, just to be able to appeal to Chinese markets. Um, but now the uh, flip side of that is that he is now bowing to pressure from the Chinese government. And now I just heard today that the Chinese government issued a statement. You know, they can't stop the, uh, the genocide of the Uyghur uh, Muslim minority. Uh, they can't uh, stop persecuting uh, Catholics along the South China Sea for worshiping. Um, but uh, they have time to write a very strongly worded email in support of John Cena's decision to apologize by basically saying this is an example of how the rest of the West must support one China, which is the Chinese government's new promotion to basically put themselves over in wrestling terms as being a uh, future leader in the world and how uh, the Chinese government's important on the global stage. Basically, uh, China is going old school Russian heel and no one's allowed to touch it. And, you know, this is again, WWE is trying to get into the Asian market and the Chinese market uh, with the terrible uh, heel faction of Tenshin or whatever in NXT and how they're ruining uh, Xia Li and all that, um, you know, just for the sake of uh, making it look good with China. Meanwhile, they're ruining uh, the Japanese wrestlers that come over here, but that's neither here nor there. And we will discuss that in a little bit. Just sad, just a cowardly punk move uh, to basically subvert yourself really to any foreign government, not just your own. Um, the Chinese communists can and do see John Cena, and they see him now as a puppet, as just a one more person that they can influence worldwide. And he should honestly, he should be ashamed of himself. He should be embarrassed. No amount of money, no amount of exposure, no project, nothing is worth bowing down like this to any government. Would he do it for the United States? Well, that's right. He doesn't have to for the United States because we're a free country with free speech. Not for long, but we have it for right now. So very sad, unfortunate, kind of a punk move from John Cena. Um, he has lost a lot of respect stateside uh, after he lost a lot of respect uh, with the Chinese market. And I get it. You know, it's like darned if you do, darned if you don't. He basically had a slip of the tongue, which is, by the way, something that, you know, it's not like Taiwan is part of mainland China. We all know the truth. We all know the reality. We all know the brutality with China in uh, constantly trying to re-annex Taiwan 
we know that that the Chinese are making a very powerful, strong move against Taiwan, against Hong Kong. And we know that uh, they're threatening economics and all that good stuff if we don't basically cater to all their demands, which is basically uh, an iron rule, totalitarian dictatorship. Uh, but for individuals who aren't even Chinese to bow to this, it just is a bad look. And John Cena stuck. I, if I was John Cena, I would just basically cut the entire Chinese market off. Just give it up. Just it, no amount of money is worth it. He's going to be fine with WWE. He's going to be fine with Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon is going to make sure he's okay for the rest of his life. And he can still act in movies. And he can still do his thing stateside. He just won't be international. But again, you butter that bread and now you have to eat it. And he's going to be eating a lot of it. So poor John Cena, although I don't feel that bad for him, is stuck. The international markets aren't, um, I guess, as, as frightening to some people or as hard to navigate to some people as others. And it seems like, as a matter of fact, out of all of this turmoil and all this commotion of everybody working together with these partnerships and the landscape of professional wrestling is changing, he's being forced to change because guess what? The market dictated such. Shout out to uh, laissez-faire capitalism and the free market economy of forcing even the great Vince McMahon to make moves because multiple reports are stating that the WWE is actively seeking a partnership with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And this is really nothing too new, of course. And I am trolling a little bit. If you're watching along on social media, if you're watching this, the video version, I did a little bit of trolling with you guys, and I found a picture of of Vince McMahon smiling, shaking hands with Giant Baba. I get it. Ha ha. Got you guys. The point is that Vince McMahon is having to do something that he hasn't had to do in a very long time, probably about 20, 30 years, which is renegotiate or open negotiations with other companies. And it makes sense in a million and two different ways. But the biggest is the reaction from what's going on in AEW is kind of a counter punch. It's been weird, the relationship between WWE and AEW. I mean, of course, Cody Rhodes started at first uh, by convincing Tony Khan, who's a money mark, to get into the wrestling business full scale. But the best thing about this um, partnership is that now New Japan is going to get a legit businessman to do business deals with the business of new Japan. And that's kind of how it goes in Japan. And that's kind of how it is. It's like the, the adults are talking now as much as you hate it, as much as you might not like it, the adults are talking now. And there are a hundred, like I said, a million and two ramifications of this happening right here. One of which is of course the talent share, uh, you know, refreshing the locker room. Uh, Triple H has made no secret about being very interested in 
refreshing the locker room, talent trading. That's why he acquired Evolve. That's why they do business with ICW and WXW uh, in Europe. They've made no bones about uh, putting Kari Sane and other people on special assignment. Uh, they've made a deal with, uh, you know, they brought in uh, Mike, uh, Mako Sadarama. So they really want to make inroads. And they have quite a bit of um, pretty big stars. Not the biggest, of course, but some of the biggest stars of New Japan are in WWE right now. Shin, King Shinsuke is there. Uh, you've got uh, Akira Tozawa still hanging around being a ninja. Um but you also have Io Shirai, who is married to Evil, who is the ace of Bullet Club right now. So there's a lot of interesting things going on as far as maybe a partnership trade. As you see below, will I get my dream match? I've made it no secret that my dream match would be Okada versus Orton. Wouldn't you like to see Okada versus Orton as a special attraction match at Wrestle Kingdom next year. I know I would. Uh, pretty much the two guys who make wrestling look effortless right now. Completely effortless, flawless games. Okada versus Orton. And Orton would do Orton would do the job. Or, Orton would lose to Okada. He would have no problems losing to Okada in Japan. There may be a stipulation that if Okada came and wrestle Orton that Orton would win in, in the United States. But I feel like Orton wouldn't have a problem knowing how this is going to make the business look. And Vince will probably pay him a boatload of money to uh, have like a great half hour match with Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. That would be amazing. The other thing that people are now saying is possible is because Daniel Bryan has announced that he did not officially resign with WWE, that this is a ploy to get Daniel Bryan what he wants, which is to end his career as a journeyman wrestler, to wrestle all the people that he hasn't wrestled that he wants to wrestle, and still be associated with WWE. Which that makes a lot of sense if you think about it. That's real. That's a really good win-win-win situation with everybody. Daniel Bryan is at the uh, at the downslope of his career. He's still got enough life left in him, but not too much. He could have a really good run in New Japan if he wanted to. Maybe is the uh, the U.S. champion. Maybe as the Intercontinental champion. Maybe he could fight Will Ospreay. Who knows? Um, there's some great matches that would definitely work in New Japan if Daniel Bryan was on loan, so to speak. Uh, Daniel Bryan could be a great bridge to bring other talent from New Japan to WWE. Daniel Bryan can be a brand ambassador. He can go to Mexico. He can go to Japan. He can go to Anywhere, you go to China if you wanted to. There's a lot of people that, he, that, that Daniel Bryan wants to wrestle and can wrestle, can have great matches with. Uh, Daniel Bryan could come in, do shots at NXT, or he could wrestle Finn Balor, Karrion Cross, uh, a lot of guys. So there's a lot of options for Daniel Bryan. And I think the WWE, in an unprecedented move, a move that they really haven't done, I don't think, I want to say since Hogan, 
since they let Hulk Hogan or they, they wanted to bring who oh, I can't remember if it was the Steiners or someone that Vince wanted to bring to WWE. That was the whole reason for him going over, which is the whole reason for this picture. I'm gonna go back to it. Um, there was a there was a team. I I want to say the Steiners that Vince wanted to bring over, and they were in New Japan at the time. They had just left WCW, and uh, and so he wanted to shore up the tag team division. And I think that was the thing. He had to like buy the contract of the Steiners from Giant Baba so they could so he could wrestle. So again, the adults are talking now. And WWE is going to re- start having negotiations with New Japan. I speculated that in fact they would partner with All Japan and basically turn uh, All Japan into WWE. NXT Japan, which would have been probably the smart thing to do, the smart play. But again, Vince being smart, and of course, Nick Khan, by the way, who is behind most of this, and I'll get to that in a minute. Nick Khan and Vince are probably saying, look, it's probably more advantageous for us to work with New Japan than it is to work against New Japan, just because of the dynamics of Japanese business. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I don't know much about it either, but there is a very strict hierarchy when it goes to dealing with businesses in Japan. Um, and at this point, WWE has enough respect with New Japan that it's a one-on-one meeting almost all the time. But the the way to do business in Japan is structured so tightly that uh, it's very hard for people to make inroads. It's very hard to negotiate um deals uh there's a lot of middlemen and a lot of upward mobility that you have to go you have to it's literally like a video game where you have to beat the bosses at different levels to get to the big boss at the end and that's the same thing in new japan pro wrestling you have to work your way to get up to uh basically to jado uh and 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 gido and get to their level of uh, negotiating with them, uh, which is fine for Vince. He's got the time and got the resources. I think, again, things are a lot smoother because they have that relationship before, and it's adults talking, so there's a lot of respect. It's basically the two biggest uh, companies in professional wrestling are negotiating with each other now, and it should be it should be good. Uh, it'll probably some deal where... Vince can't openly promote in Japan, but uh, they can do shots and WWE wrestlers will be allowed to wrestle in Japan, but only under the New Japan umbrella. Um, so it'll it'll be a wink and a nod. It'll be like, hey, we brought these guys over and Vince will make his cut because they'll mention WWE on New Japan Pro Wrestling and then the wrestlers will get paid. They'll be happy. Daniel Bryan will be happy. And then uh, New Japan won't have to worry about uh, Gaijin invaders trying to make inroads. So I think it works for everybody. Um, it's better to work with New Japan than against New Japan. And I'm going to get my dream match, Okada versus Orton. So it's a win-win situation for everybody. And hopefully Nick Khan can pull this off. Although Nick Khan is catching a lot of heat now from his extremely distant 
cousin. And this is the last ridiculous thing that uh, I'm going to bring up as far as news goes, because this is just it's getting sad at this point. This man child money mark, who is the president of a professional wrestling company, is taking shots at somebody who's probably never met before. In response to the rumors that the WWE is working heavily with New Japan, AEW president Tony Khan issues a statement blistering WWE president Nick Khan for dealing with New Japan pro wrestling. I really don't understand this guy. I think he thinks he's a pro wrestler. I think it's, it's, I mean, we've seen this movie before. We've seen this movie in the late 80s, early 90s, when Ted Turner called Vince McMahon personally and said, hey, Vince, I'm in the wrestling business. And then it started again when Jeff Jarrett and uh, Dixie Carter started taking swings at Vince by hiring Vince Russo. And, you know, they tried boxing God, too. And now Tony Khan is doing the same thing to his detriment and folly. Um, and not only, he's just not after going after Vince, but he's going after a guy that he really doesn't even know, that no one really knows. The only real figureheads of WWE that anybody really knows are Vince, Stephanie, and Triple H. We get glimpses of Canyon Seaman when they're doing Tough Enough or when they're doing any, any documentaries about the Performance Center. Okay, we get it. We know that... Uh, you know, Adam Pierce, Sanjay Dutt, those guys, Abyss, those guys are the head bookers, or at least the head writers or the head producers, let's say. Okay, we get that. We get that. We get that. Um, I forget his name. We, we know that Jerry McDevitt is head of legal, if he's even still alive. And we know, uh, shout out to the guy that they gave the um, Warrior Award to last year at WrestleMania. So we know of people but there's a reason why a lot of these people are behind the scenes there's a reason why uh the only time we hear about kevin dunn is when jim Cornette's cutting promos on him these these guys aren't meant to know you're not meant to know who nick khan is unless you're like a business insider unless you're a professional wrestling fan or a, a smart mark like me or whatever no one really knows Let's put it this way. I didn't even know that Nick Khan was president of WWE. So let's put it that way. We're not meant to know these people. It's like nobody cares who the general manager is of the Yankees as long as the Yankees win the World Series every year. No one cares. No one cares. It's only when people care. It's only when things go bad is when we know these people's names. So now, randomly, the Dixie Carter of AEW, Tony Khan, is now bringing people into the mix that are anonymous pretty much. And now that a non-wrestler got a promo on a non-wrestler, basically uh, saying that he is the only con worth uh, anything in this business and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it's sad and it's annoying and it's not funny. It's unprofessional. I mean, look at that. Look at this. Here you have a 30-year-old man-child wearing glasses and, and, and wearing the logo of a completely different business. Now, if I looked at this, if I saw this, if I, if I, okay, if I'm the NFL, 
if I'm Roger Goodell or if I'm the other owners of the NFL and I saw this goof on some low rent basic cable channel wearing a logo representative of my league trying to call out an executive from another company from another business that he owns, I would have a huge problem with this. I would I would. If I was Roger Goodell, I would actually censure Tony Khan and ask him not to wear any logos or any representation of the NFL on any of the wrestling programs. I wouldn't. I would seriously do that. Not to spite him, not to mess with him, not to get inside his head, but just to say, hey, look, you do your crazy on the side, but don't bring the football into it. I mean, I know double or nothing tonight is going to have another – Stadium stampede. Um, I joked before when Urban Meyer was hired that uh, that you know Tony Khan probably ran into his office and said that he wants Urban Meyer to coach the stadium stampede or whatever. Um, uh, Urban Meyer probably looked at him and said, "Excuse me, I got work to do." Um, to probably ordered Tony Khan out of his office. If I was Urban Meyer, I would have. Um, I, it is going to be very. Uh, I, I want to watch it just to see if Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, or Tim Tebow are going to be involved or not. Because there's going to be something going on tonight, and it's going to be sad, just like calling out an executive from another company that you don't even know, probably never even met before. Um, Is the influence of AEW and competition influencing WWE's decisions if it's man? Yes. Has the WWE, even before AEW existed, relentlessly tried to uh, to um, corner other international markets. Of course, they've been doing it for, for years. But let's not pretend that there is an arms race to get to New Japan and that if Tony Khan wants to believe that he's the hipster that was working with New Japan before New Japan was cool or whatever, uh, you know, let him let him play in his own sandbox. The reality of the situation is you look cheap. You look like garbage. If you want to be considered seriously as a professional wrestling organization, which I doubt AEW wants to at this point, but if you do, if you want to be taken seriously, then then present yourself like a business. Don't present yourself like you're some mark running a, a wrestling promotion. Don't present yourself like Ted Turner. Don't present yourself like Dixie Carter. Present yourself more honestly like Ole Anderson. Honestly, present yourself more like, um, oh, Vergania was a little bitter. Present yourself like, uh, well, to be honest, um, oh, who's the guy that owned, uh, yeah, Crockett, Crockett. Perfect example. Jim Crockett didn't give one damn about what Vince McMahon was doing. The only thing he was worried about was Vince McMahon trying to uh, invade uh, the South. That was the only thing Vince McMahon was worried about, or that Crockett was worried about from Vince McMahon. Other than that, Jim Crockett didn't do, didn't care two wits about what Vince McMahon was doing. As as long as Vince McMahon wasn't stealing talent like the Junkyard Dog and Million Dollar Man. As long as Vince McMahon was practically staying in his lane, which he very rarely did back in the 80s. But, you know, the problems with with Crockett and with with McMahon only came when McMahon started making the serious inroads, when he bought Georgia Championship Wrestling, when he made the inroads and, be, and he personally appeared 
on uh, on uh, TBS as the conquering hero. Uh, that is that's the only time that you know the Crockett's wish death upon Vince McMahon. But other than that, you could argue that Jim Crockett was making more money than Vince McMahon in the eighties at some point. So no one, you know, stay in your lane, present yourself as a professional wrestling company. I mean, let's put it this way for what it's worth. Does ring of honor care what Vince McMahon is doing. Look at this. Does court Bauer and MLW care what Vince McMahon is doing? And they're the ones that were, I reported on last week that was making a deal, probably a talent exchange or a promotional deal with WWE MLW doing it would be huge. Actually, I think MLW would be a little bigger than New Japan in a lot of respects, but uh, I don't want to go there. Um, I think that, at least I won't go there now. Maybe I'll go there later. But present yourself. Do you think Court Bauer really honestly cares what Vince McMahon is doing at this point? I think Court Bauer knows enough of Vince McMahon to not care and just do his own thing. And guess what? MLW is awesome. If AEW and Tony Khan spent less time worrying about what Vince McMahon is doing and trying to box God and spent more energy on their own product, making it better, not having it be crappy, making it look good, making it look presentable, making it look like it's a serious uh, outfit, then um, maybe he would have a product worth promoting so um all right well i got that out of my system speaking of and i really didn't do it didn't do it a lot of justice but um i was originally i know it's shocking to you because the card does actually look pretty good but um i was actually considering watching double or nothing tonight um just basically because it's the weekend, it's Memorial weekend and I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't getting up early tomorrow or anything. So it's not like that was going to kill me, but um, you know, I was just going to take a shot at it because some of it does look pretty interesting. So just going to go over my thoughts because again, I haven't been paying attention, so I don't really know what's going on. But I will uh, go backwards from the uh, the pre-match or the buy-in and go backwards up to the main event. Just give me my thoughts and see what see what uh, see what you think. Um, not even going to make any predictions because again, I don't have an intelligent uh, uh, take on a lot of it. I don't know where they're going. I don't know what's happening. Uh, I know from past experience watching things unfold in AEW and not pleased with it. So let's just go and talk about uh, the Casino Battle Royale for a shot at the AEW Championship. I have no idea who's in it. I couldn't for the life of you even make a prediction. Uh, This is probably going to be a blow off because the Booker of the Year, the Booker of the Millennium, Tony Khan, probably can't figure out what to do with whoever's in it. So Let's just say Lance Archer. For for all giggles, let's just say Lance Archer wins the Casino Battle Royal. It'll just job to Kenny Omega next next Friday, so it's not that big of a deal. Um, Adam Page versus Brian Cage was 
sounds interesting to the point where, again, Adam Page should have been the first AEW champion. But again, I'm not Booker of the Millennium, so what do I know? I'm just a guy doing a podcast from his father-in-law's basement. I do know that Adam Page did call out Brian Cage, basically said, you're this big, tough, huge dude, but you can't do this without the FTW. You can't do it without Hook. You can't do it without Taz. You can't do it without uh, Starks. So um, so are you a man? Are you a machine? Or are you nothing? And that's good. I want to see that. I would, I would like to see how that match unfolds. Uh, Brian Cage has been taking a lot of L's lately. He should be North American, not North American. He should be uh, TNT champion, but he's not. Uh, let's see if Brian Cage can resurrect his career with a win. Uh, Adam Page really doesn't need a win. He's kind of one of those guys that everybody loves, and he's a future star. He doesn't need a win right now. I don't want him to get into a slump of having a lot of losses. Um, being associated with the Dark Order is not helping, but at least he's around. And uh, either way, this match could go pretty well. If if Paige wins, it might reassert him into uh, serious contention, being taken seriously. If Cage wins, um, it might prove that he doesn't need FTW. Maybe getting him away from that would be would be healthy, and maybe he could be reconsidered as a monster. Who knows? Um, Sting and Darby Allen versus Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. A lot of good happening. Unfortunately, none of it was Sting. Uh, Darby Allen is a good talent. He's going to be a star in AEW for however long it lasts. Uh, I like Ethan Page. Haven't seen much of him. I caught him maybe a couple of uh, his indie matches on YouTube or whatever. I caught a couple of his matches in Impact, especially the North. The North was a very good tag team. Uh, Scorpio Sky's heel turn is completely stupid, and his promos against Sting were completely forced. Um, uh, a lot of stupid, but I don't see the heels winning. Yeah, I see Sting and Darby Allen going over. Okay, so boo boo. Um, the biggest fiasco at AEW not related to the elites or Kenny Omega is uh, Cody Rhodes in his really odd rambling promo about race and the American dream and uh, universally panned by everybody. Not going to go into deep because I didn't really talk about it either. Um, I did talk about, uh, you know, the whole Anthony Ogogo raping Cody with the British flag, which is completely stupid. Um, this should have been booked as I'm coming after you, QT Marshall, and I'm going to take out all of your students one by one because I trained them, not you. It could have been totally written in a different way, but apparently we're going with I'm going to beat up a Nigerian British guy from Britain because Britain's heels and the United States is great. And I'm going to shout him on. You know what? I don't want to get thrown off Facebook. So I'll just stop there and say that I would be surprised if Cody Rhodes goes over. Um, and they have a tendency to draw out stupid heel runs and this nonsensical one where Anthony Ogogo for every reason should not be a heel 
and yet he is. So we'll see that. Hey, speaking of Lance Archer, he's going after Miro for the TNT Championship. Something that should have happened, oh, probably six months ago, so no one cares about it now. Move on. AEW Tag Team Championship, Young Bucks versus Moxley, Eddie Kingston. Uh, I don't know if you paid attention, but Eddie Kingston had some weird promo where he was like, F Cesaro. I'm pretty sure that people jumped the gun on that. I think it was a rib. There's no way that Eddie Kingston and Cesaro uh, hate each other that much. Uh, they were huge friends in Chikara. Remember Chikara? Hey, guys, remember when wrestling was innocent and uh, Chikara was awesome? Yeah, those were the days. Um, and now Eddie Kingston continuing to stay relevant, doing what every wrestler in AEW does, apparently, which is cut promos on other uh, guys and other promotions and not people in their own promotion. Uh, with John Moxley, who, I don't know, again, Bloom is off the rose. Versus the Young Bucks for the Tag Team Championship. And this is probably a way to get Eddie Kingston his only world championship. You know, his only major world championship. So I guess if that's the bone you're going to throw, that's fine. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to watch anyway. Or at least the Young Bucks. I don't know. Uh, this is their way of Christian outreach, I suppose. Um, everything about this feud that I've read is stupid. So just moving on from that. To another stupid, which actually this audit this if they if they film with the stampede match, if they like make it cinematic, it might be good. I don't have faith that it'll be as good as the last one was. I mean, because for all of its faults, it was actually pretty funny. Like Santana getting his bell rung. Um you know, pretty uh, it wasn't great, but it wasn't, like, uh, entertaining. It wasn't the worst match I've ever seen, worst gimmick match I've ever seen. It was funny, and it gave us a lot of the memes of, like, Sammy Guevara getting run over. Uh, maybe they'll revisit that. That would be really funny, I think. Uh, I don't want Sammy Guevara to die, but at the same time, too, it might be pretty funny. Um... That might actually be the most entertaining match of the night, so I would look forward to seeing it if I could. Uh, and, uh, the problem is because they've set up the pinnacle beating the inner circle so much that it's almost moot at this point. Like if the inner circle wins, then they finally get their comeuppance. But if they lose, then they're just continuously being punked by the pinnacle. And I don't think the four horsemen even got that much stroke over Dusty Rhodes. I mean, at some point, Dusty Rhodes won. So this would make, what, two? With blood and guts, uh, and then the match before, this would be two straight victories over the inner circle. At one point, the baddest, coolest faction in AEW has now become the Pinnacles' uh, whipping boys two times in a row. So this is really tough. This, If it's a comedy thing, the inner circle might win. If they kind of make it a little serious, the pinnacle might win. And it could be problematic for the inner circle if they lose again to the pinnacle. And you know my thoughts about the crash pad. You can go back uh, either on Facebook or Minds, or you can go on Spotify or your favorite podcast streaming service, and you could listen to 
old episodes, I think two episodes ago, where I talked about how hilariously stupid the crash pad was and the fact that uh, this is not the first time that MJF has gotten over as a heel by getting the quote-unquote last laugh. So um, either way, this could go bad, but it could be probably the most entertaining thing of the night at Double or Nothing. And then pulling, grinding the show to a complete halt, the AEW Championship triple threat between Kenny Omega, Pac, and Orange Cassidy. The fact that uh, they're using Cassidy as the comedic foil for both. Oh, you shouldn't be here. You don't deserve to be here. Blah, blah, blah. Um, Pushing Cassidy this far. I mean... I could see Cassidy winning the Casino Battle Royal, then challenging. That would probably made more sense. And that way you could just focus on Kenny Omega versus Pac. Um, I think there's a lot of legitimacy in Pac, which is probably why Omega or Orange Cassidy is involved in this match. Because one-on-one, I think people would have a hard time believing that Pac could lose to Kenny Omega one-on-one. And the bloom is also off the rose for Kenny Omega. People are finally seeing the cracks in the armor. People finally seeing the Emperor has no clothes and that Kenny Omega may not be the wrestler we all thought he was. And so by deflecting or at least draining some of the heat away from Pac by putting Cassidy in the match... I think it's a way to take the starch out of Pac and make it seem like, well, Pac couldn't really beat Omega because Orange Cassidy was part of the match. Whereas if it was just straight up Kenny Omega versus Pac, people would have a hard time believing Kenny Omega wins. And this is the this is the painted corner that Kenny Omega and Don Callis and AEW and everybody else who's in on the joke are painting themselves in. Because eventually you're going to start running into people that legitimately can beat you and you're you're going to put yourself over as a world beater and people are going to stop believing it. You're going to wrestle Pac. You're going to wrestle Andrade. You're going to wrestle all of these other people around the world and you're going to find out that Kenny Omega is not the wrestler that everybody thought he was. And then... You know, all the AEW fans are going to go nuts. I mean, we're, they already went completely insane after a rather tepid comment from Jim Ross about, oh, my God, he has an opinion, and he stated an opinion. And it was very childish, by the way, for Kenny Omega to come back at uh, at JR uh, on Twitter. Um, that is a punk move. For those of you who don't know, uh, on a Grilling with JR episode – uh, they grilled JR and asked who he thought the best wrestler in the modern era is right now. And JR, you know, was very diplomatic about it and highlighting things. But he said if he had to put his money on one wrestler, it was Randy Orton. Now, Jim Ross grew up with Randy Orton. And Jim Ross has at least a 20-year history with Randy Orton. He has less than a year and a half history with Kenny Omega. So... For someone to be so insecure about themselves, to question someone who has legit experience in the world of professional wrestling, for them to not bow down and say, oh, 
Kenny Omega is the best wrestler in the world. He he's just so far head and shoulders above the rest just because he works in the company because he has an opinion. Uh, that's just so shallow and just sees the mentality of the person that Kenny Omega is. Another chink in the armor. And the fact that everybody else in AEW defended Kenny Omega it just blows my mind. It's just this this AEW thing is not working. There's a reason why that there's a riff. There's a reason why there's rumors of political infighting between the EVPs. Um, probably a strong the the Cody Rhodes you know backing up Jr. and dying on the mountain of bringing Jr. in because he loves Jr. so much. And and you know what do you mean? Uh, you're the guy that you brought into the company doesn't like me. How dare he not like me? So there's probably, you know, egos and snowflakeism and whatnot is causing a rift in AEW. And I still stand by my prediction that in two years on Vince's deathbed, he will write the final contract up of the acquisition of AEW. So uh, that's, that's it. And I unfortunately brought that little editorial into the end of Double or Nothing. Hey, you know what? You know how much I am not a fan of AEW recently. Give Double or Nothing a shot. Give Double or Nothing a shot. You're probably going to turn this off and you're probably going to go right to Double or Nothing anyway. So have fun with it. I'm going to try to keep up as best as I can with it, knowing again that I'm not going to be uh, available, that I'm going to be uh, partying it up, dudes. See, like I said, my duds and everything. Uh, going to a graduation party, so I won't be copying uh, much wrestling tonight, but you should. You should. You should enjoy it. Have fun with it. Uh, have fun uh, tonight. Uh, any other craziness happens, you can hit me up on the Heel and Face Facebook page. And, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention. Let me go to it real quick because I have it. I forgot to mention that I also have a poll up. That's going to be up for a while. And this is on my Twitter page. So please go to the Twitter page, Heal and Face Pod on Twitter, and participate in the tweet. And this is my conjecture about the partnering of New Japan and WWE. So who would you most likely see? And I have some really good responses so far, and you should respond too. I'm going to leave this up for a couple of days. So please, and I'm going to report on this poll's findings somehow. But yeah, definitely uh, get your opinions in. I see that leader in the clubhouse is exactly my opinion as well, that Okada and uh, Randy Orton would be the dream match that everybody would want to see. And I did want people to specify other. Some people didn't, but I did get a response from somebody saying that they would love to see Reigns versus Evil, and I would too. I think that would be my second favorite there. Um, I just threw out Tanahashi versus Cena because they're so they're pretty much the each other of each other's promotions. And although John Cena is a little older than Tanahashi, uh, it still would be a really good match. So, um, yeah, check me out. Check the poll out. Check me out on all my social medias, not just Facebook, Minds, Locals. Everywhere else I am on the interweb, check out Heel Turn Wrestling at HT Wrestling 316. Don't forget to buy the merch. And you know what? Uh, have fun today. Have a great Memorial Weekend. And I will catch you on the flippity flop. As always, peace. Peace.